The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. pod at your service and finally we have got the band back together it feels like forever so much has happened and not happened since we last hit record so i think we should pretty much get straight to it i'm lisa rose sullivan a suffering from cabin fever rally fan in the blue corner punching above his weight we've got the man they call the voice of rally colin clark good morning colin Morning, Lisa. Nice to hear your voice again. Thank you. Uh, in the red corner, <laughs> he's been there. He's done it. He's run the teams. It's former motorsport director George Donaldson. Morning, George. Feel, good morning, Lisa. Good morning, everyone. I feel like a boxer. Yeah. I feel like boxing, <laughs> well, I, 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 I'll add this is going to be a very crowded ring because in the grey and golden orange dirtfish corner office with a view is senior staff writer David Evans. Good, Good morning. David. Good morning. How are you? I, sh- I should add now I, I should add now that I actually have a, a dirtfish t-shirt. Oh. Yay. Wow. Yeah. Yay. Oh. I'm very I'm very happy. How come he's gone and I haven't? Ah, uh, that's because I had to go on a camera uh, in, in Turkey. That was Colin's job to send you yours. Yeah, at least I might have some for you, actually. I might well have some for you. Um, and, and it'll be the same story next year. He will have some for yeah, you next year I, as I well, might, Lisa. Might, yeah. But what, what I do have, Lisa, what I do have for you is a rather nice baseball cap, which I'm sure you'll well ra- wear rather well. Ah, I like the sound of that. I like the sound. Do you know, it's like I'm just getting to know you guys for the first time because it feels so long since we last made a podcast. It was ages ago, wasn't it? Altogether, was. anyway. Yeah, but it's been. It, it, we've got to say it, there is not a good reason at all for us not making podcasts. But the fact that we have gone back to rallying, if there ever was a good reason, perhaps that is that good reason. Is it? Or is uh, that quite absolutely, convoluted? David? No, that's absolutely it. Action, action before words, and uh, <laughs> words, words are a, a good second best. And in this case, we'd like to say, I'm sure about ourselves, but. Uh, uh, if, if we've got rallying, let's be covering that. Come on, that's yeah, where the story absolutely. is. Absolutely. But do you know what the best part, George? The best part of the last few months has been actually seeing you out on event again. And anyone that yeah. follows our our videos online on the the wonderful uh, Dirtfish YouTube channel have seen George in Turkey. George, it was it was great to have you as part it of was, the team in Turkey. I had a fabulous time. I really, really enjoyed myself with you guys. Um, uh, it was, it was a, what a fantastic rally. I mean, Turkey just gave us what World Rally Championship should be about. Unbelievably testing, unbelievably difficult, unpredictable, there's the big word. And, uh, oh. and it gave us a great result, really. I, I think it's a f- been a fabulous event. And for my money, very, very worthy of inclusion in the World Championship. A great event. So what do we say, George? Let's jump in right there. What do we say to the, to the people in the championship who said that there is no no place now for events like Turkey, like Safari? These cars are not built for them. You know, they're they're going through too many front splitters. It's costing too much. Uh, you know, we're all about smooth gravel now. Well, hang on. Uh, the, so the well, argument I, I, basically I, I is can... don't break your cars in rallying. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what the, the, that's kind of what some people are advocating. And I noticed there was some fans also, uh, one or two, uh, didn't like the fact that the rallies were a bit rough and tough. I hasten to add uh, that we drove road cars over those stages. We're not talking. These were not tank testingly no. rough mm. roads. But they were they were hard and they had that that hard base rock character and they're, they're not well formed macadam roads because there's no need for them in that environment. Um, is there no need for them? I mean, are we just going to go to asphalt? I, I dare say it's the powers that be that will decide that. Um, let's be honest, some of the most spectacular rallying and views we get are on gravel rallies. Really, T- to my mind, the most spectacular part of our sport is generally on gravel, uh, on loose surfaces. Do you know, do you know what I found rough, interesting, George? What was yeah, interesting, as you said, we, we drove quite a number of those stages and we drove that decisive stage in Turkey, didn't we, that stage nine, and you we absolutely did. called it. Um, you know, a lot of, lot of the talk was about the, the inequity of the situation with the dust. Uh, but at the end of the day, 
it wasn't the dust that gave us the problems in that stage, was it? You might argue the dust maybe hampered vision, which then you know, caused drivers to take excessive cuts, which then meant they picked up punctures. But, you know, the, the thing with that stage was that the driver who approached it in the best way got through the stage, and that was Elvin Evans without any problems. So, you know, I, I, I don't buy the criticism of places like Turkey and Safari and, uh, to some degree, uh, Acropolis. I, I don't buy it at all. I think I think it's part of the DNA of rallying. It's, it's, it's a different challenge. It requires a different mindset, a different approach, and it gives us what rallying's all about. It gives us that unpredictability and that diversity that we need. If we're talking about, you know, let's split it 50% between smooth gravel rallies and tarmac rallies, Wow, gee boys, we might as well go circuit racing. You know, we need that diversity, don't we? And and we got that in Turkey, and I thought it was fabulous. Uh, for, for me, the the balance was just absolutely perfect there. And uh, I mean, I, but I do get what people are saying. They don't want to see car breakingly tough events. I mean, if 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 it becomes a massive cost issue about splitters, FIA can just rule a splitter height. You know, the, the, mm. there's a rule there that says you can't have a splitter. Uh, uh, the, the splitter can't be any closer than say. You know, uh, at 180 millimeters from the ground, the front splitter, and and I don't know, the same yeah, on the back as well. You know, it's, it's going to. David, wasn't it, there wasn't there also some thousands. talk about about maybe homologating a, a cheaper splitter or something for certain rallies? Wasn't there talk of that for a while? You know, to yeah, have, I to think have... Toyota they they split their splitter if you like, didn't they? Because they were that was it was one unit. Uh, in 17 and they were breaking quite a few of them so obviously when they broke the whole thing it cost quite a lot to to mm. produce another one so they they then I think they made it in sections and rehomologated it I, I can't remember but you know I completely agree about this whole point of rough rallies and you know it one thing it does produce and one thing that it does give us is a more rounded driver you know this yeah. at this time of the year 25 years ago we were all talking about Colin McRae and the potential for him winning a world championship you know, everybody knew about Colin McRae's speed and how quickly he could drive a rally car. But one aspect of him that people didn't know and really that that really added so much to his character and his ability as a driver was how he could drive rough rallies and he could drive them as slowly as was necessary to win. You know, we saw him do it yeah. on Safari, on Acropolis. Drivers, we're in danger if we don't have these events of, of having drivers who don't have the ability to drive essentially with their head, which is what Elvin did on that final day. You know, I'm not saying that everybody else went was gung ho and attacked too hard and got themselves punctures, but perhaps Elvin had a bit more of a plan to drive around stuff if if you could. Uh, and again, it's very easy for me to sit here and blindly say these things, but you, you've got to have that ability to th sort of throttle back and see the bigger picture of the whole event. Uh, and and for me, that's what we need. We need to have these drivers who have the almost the kind of common sense of driving a rough gravel rally. But the, the you know the, the disappointing thing is, David, that you know, okay, I think there's Turkey's on the calendar with an asterisk for next year. Is that right? But yes, you know, the, the, the talk that we heard as we left Turkey was that well, we won't be coming back here for quite some time. Uh, which was a big disappointment to you and I, George, because we found a really good restaurant, didn't we? <laughs> it was fabulous, absolutely Chelsea fantastic. <laughs> I have to say as well, though, the, the other argument for rough rallies is the way they sell the sport as a spectator yes. from home, yeah. as I am. And, you know, you only have to talk to someone like um, Colin... Um, I want to say Colin McMaster. Yeah, Colin McMaster. <laughs> you know, the, the photographs and the cameras and the drones and the helicopter shots we get of a gravel rally are always more spectacular than watching a car going along a tarmac surface. It sells yeah. the sport. Just, it really sells the sport. You get great photographs of Monty, but you could actually have the car static for a lot of the photographs. There's, there's, not, there's not a lot of motion in it, is there, really, on asphalt? Generally, obviously, because no. the drivers are trying to are trying to make sure the car doesn't unstick. So it's it's. I'm not saying it's it's boring. Far from boring. It's incredibly spec special to get to 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 be there and see the speed, and the videos that we see are fantastic. And unless you're driving GG Galley in, in a in a a group a group <laughs> N car coming in coming into hairpins backwards at like a 50 miles an hour on a hairpin yeah. and and somehow getting round it, it, it's not got some of that spectacle it's, it's, it's a different spectacle I think is probably what you'd say but. But, but for me it's the variety George 
that was exactly the reason, though, wasn't it, George? Why back in two thousand and one, two or three, where David Richards essentially wanted to to really limit the amount of tarmac rallies we had in the championships. It's why we moved to Sardinia and away from San Remo because he felt that there was too much tarmac and that you know exactly what you said there. There's not enough spectacle on the tarmac. Quick point of order, Cole. Uh, yeah. Turkey is one of the events, essentially, that's on the bench for next year. On the bench, uh, yeah. yeah. along yeah. with Latvia um, and well, Monza, Acropolis, Argentina, I think, as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah it's, not a, a, it's, it's not in the calendar, but it is uh, potentially in the calendar. But it's yeah. essentially, who knows what a calendar is for next year anyway. But listen, if, if, if we did lose, if we did lose Turkey, you know, in, in the past we've had Cyprus, we've had Acropolis, we've had mm. Safari, obviously. You know, if we did lose Turkey, and, it, and, and as you say, it is there, but it's there as a, a reserve, if you like, isn't it, David, I suppose? Mm. Um, you know, it, it, then in terms of rough rallies, we're looking around saying, well, we don't really have one, but... But I suppose the the encouraging news that's come out in the last couple of months, guys, and I know it's one of your favourites, George, is that there's a massive push in Greece to get the Acropolis back into the WRC, and 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 it's you know we we hear it from time to time, and I think it was 2000 and oh, I was many many years ago, was it 12 the last time we were in Greece, yeah, something like that, um, and we've heard it in the intervening years, all oh, they're trying to negotiate to get back into the calendar, and it's always just kind of frazzled out hasn't it before it's got anywhere mm. but but this time it's different this time it's got the backing of the government it's got the backing of the sports ministry uh, there is apparently i'm told there's money that's been made available for it um and so maybe maybe if we do lose turkey maybe quite strangely uh you know turkey going might be the opportunity for the acropolis to be revived and that that would be no bad thing well, there's a whole whole load of politics there, isn't it? Let's not unpack that one. Okay. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's not it's nothing to do with either country. It's just a, the, it's it, rallying rallying has always transcended all that type of politics. Yeah, Unfortunately, we're sort of dipping our toes into politics these days because of the amount of money that's required for to run a WRC mm. event, and also obviously at this particular time uh, we we have to lean on the authorities to get the approvals to, to be there via via the, 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 the COVID um, restrictions. So, David, uh, you've, you've, you've mentioned what we've got kind of bench-wise next year. It might be worth just spelling out how are things looking for next year, regardless of the COVID situation, if looking at the, the pencilled in, the crossed out, the I've got that one down in ink calendar for 2021. Where are we, where are we at with that at the moment before we finish well, 2020? In, in, in an ordinary world, if, if we even remember what an ordinary world is, uh, I actually had a text last night from Andrew Kellett, the route coordinator from Rally GB. <laughs> uh, and, and AK was saying last night, uh, very strange feelings today, because obviously the, the day that we are recording this, Tuesday, should have been the start of the recce for Wales Rally GB. Uh, so it's very odd but anyway sorry back to your point Lise Uh, we have obviously Monty uh, in January then Sweden uh, February so perfectly normal start to the year Uh, we're then off to Croatia Uh, fingers crossed Portugal Italy Safari in June so we still have that rough element in there Uh, Estonia in July Finland back to its usual date uh, in end of July early August obviously without the the backing of Neste for next year uh, and then an interesting one, we have Rally GB slash Northern Ireland um, in the middle of August, Chile in September, Spain in October, usual date for Spain, and Japan in November, essentially in the date that it would have been um, next month, so postponed from next month to a year in next month. Um, and then on the on the subs list, we have Turkey, Latvia, Belgium, Argentina, Greece, and Monza. Um but again, you know, it, that's those are the ones. But you know, how can we talk about really anything? Um, you were supposed to be off to to Ipa and fingers crossed. You know, one thing that I would like to get across in this in this podcast is just how much I am desperate to go to Ipa. Oh. Uh, you know, I, I've talked in the past about it not being my favourite rally for whatever reason. There's a big U-turn <laughs> there, David. I know, I know, but I, I think, you know, the thing, my issue a little bit with Ypres is that I always found it a bit predictable in June, it would always be, you knew what you were going to get, but my goodness me, you know, Ypres in this November, is, this is, it is... 
guys, it's, it's, I, 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 I was sent a picture from uh, one of the stages for, for Ypres, and it was taken uh, at the weekend. So four or five days ago, uh, and they were just, you could see over to the, so the picture was, the, the stage was going up the centre of the picture, and over to the left, you could see that the farmers had just, uh, they just harvested whatever was in their field. And honestly, you couldn't tell that this was a tarmac section of wood. Uh, yeah. There was so much mud on it. There was so much mud. Now, this is the beginning of the harvesting season. By the time we get another three or four weeks down the line, we are right in the middle of the harvesting and the preparation, so, the preparing the fields. And it was awful. And, and it, it's, he, it, you, it, oh, yeah, but Cole, Cole, that, exactly. You say it's awful and immediately yeah. we'll have people jumping on the bandwagon and saying, it's not safe. We've got to stop it. Bam, nah. this madness. Oh, Nonsense. Sorry. But, no, no, but what, I mean, George, I remember years and years ago and we would, we would all remember the year that Rally GB had to stop its some the sweet lamb stages in the snow and the ice. Was that in yeah. 2008, 2000, wasn't it? Was it? Oh, yeah, exactly. So I think it was 08, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I had to I had to interview Max Mosley uh, later that year, uh, and I was talking to to him about this whole debacle about what had gone on, uh, and he said, you know, I didn't really understand that. He said because presumably they. The, the argument was from the leading crews that they couldn't possibly get through the stage. It was unsafe. Uh, and and Mosley said, it wasn't unsafe. They could absolutely get through that stage. You know, on winter tyres, on, on road tyres, you could yep. get through that stage. And that's yep. the point, isn't it? You know, the drivers will play this safety card when actually it's a performance card. You know, they, can't, they won't be able to drive the cars as quickly as they want. Yeah. It's an unbelievably partisan... Uh, subject this this safety card now you know um, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Thierry as you know Thierry Neuville mm. but he he talks about this safety card uh, with a degree of of disregard which I find uh, not disregard he utilizes it uh, with a disregard for some of the 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 other things he does you know he drives in Monte Carlo rally he'll drive in Corsica rally and not mention mm. the safety well, goodness gracious in Monte Carlo honestly I think but but to, to come away from the fact that drivers will use that I mean and I'm I'm only using Thierry as an example you know all the drivers will do it all the drivers mm. are very vocal about a subject that they get close to and it's very very hard to argue against any any safety uh, considerations and, and and only a fool would would sit there and say that's absolute nonsense uh, certainly at the time because you could be uh, you could be setting yourself up for you know a, mm. a very serious yeah, a very serious uh, personal mistake but also you know you you're you're then perhaps uh, uh, putting people in harm's way not a smart thing but this is motorsport so we've got to actually take a kind of careful measure when we use that safety word i think the bottom line is i think it's used with a degree of abandon as you said david to to mm -hmm. to suit the the performance advantages and disadvantages uh, that, that, that a circumstance may reveal but the bottom line is that, that, that rallying has changed uh, whether we like it or not at the moment uh, constantly hopefully will continue to change and, and develop and meet the the whatever requirements but the bottom line is yeah you could you could you could have done all those stages you just need to have the right tires on we've got a ridiculous exactly. set of tire restrictions right now well, and, it, and yeah. it's getting it's getting worse and worse and worse the restrictions we're now down to one make of tire to take away that partisan option that you know the Pirellis will be better in wet mud and the the mm. the um maybe the Michelins are better on you know dry or tricky asphalt you know actually no, Pirellis actually historically you know that people have had advantages and disadvantages and and they they, they play out as, a, as an interesting part of the competition uh, yep. but people always feel that they've got a, a dice loaded against them or for them if it's for them they say no we've not got any advantages against them they want a stage cancelled because it doesn't suit them I, I as a team manager have worked very hard to make sure stages aren't cancelled because i've sent my cars out on wet tires or intermediates with cuts when everyone else has gone on a slick and i've invested in a good weather forecast and we've gone up to a stage start and i knew that the weather was coming nobody else seemed to have figured it out uh, because they didn't organize a good weather forecast and it, 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 but immediately the other team managers were on the phone to the clerk of the course telling them this mm. stage is dangerous and you've got to cancel it and everyone's on slick tires and it'll be a disaster 
and I've I've sat there. I've, well, I've been sitting there with the clerk of the course in in Corsica when that when those phone calls came in, and I've already I've already told him he's going to get those phone calls, and I've got two cars sitting on uh, cut intermediates, and I want the stage to run. And he doesn't want yeah. his rally being cancelled, so the stage ran. But you know, so people will play that partisan card. Maybe the thing to do is to you know why on a, why on a snowy REC rally, you know, or on any REC rally in November, why have we not got a contingency for uh, exactly for for winter tyres? Well, well, we have that for Monte, not for Monte. Sorry, we have we that for Ypres, don't we? For for Ypres. Uh, you see that got, there's a third they've choice. Got gravel they, tires. Yeah. Well, they've, got, they've gone with the Monty <laughs> the tire. Monsoon, this is a yeah. monsoon tire, essentially, isn't it? They're, exactly. they're very and, soft and, compounds. And people are saying, well, well, it's unlikely it's going to snow. Uh, that choice is not for the snow. That choice, uh-huh. I suspect, is for the, is mud. For the, ex- the excessive well, mud. The excessive mud that, that, that will almost certainly, it's, it's, it's not even a, an outside chance, that mud will almost certainly be there and will play a major part in the rally. So they've, they've given themselves that extra option. But I suppose the question is, is it going to be enough? Well, it, you know, it, it is enough and, and you have to deal with it. You know, we know the can, mud's going to be there. You can you imagine it. the tyre choices, Colin? We're going to see crossed. Someone will be running one mud tyre, one slick, and you know, one hard and one soft. Mm. What a but mess this, it's going to be. This is the joy of Ypres, George. It's a great we will competition. Have, particularly, you know, as you, you know, as you come in through the fields, it's muddy, as I say, it looks like in places, you know, a gravel or a mud road. Uh, you come out into the more open areas and it could easily be bone dry. And you yeah. only have to look at the... They ran a rally uh, the same week as Sardinia in, in Belgium. And you only had to look at that rally. There was some fantastic drone footage. And you could see the cars coming out from the trees. It was soaking wet. They were into the cuts. There was mud for five, 600 metres. Then it was bone dry for another five or yeah. 600 metres. Yeah. And then you were back into full wet and full mud. And for me, yeah. you know, that's what really... You know, there's two things that make Ypres really exciting. The fact that, OK, you take out the boys that have been there before, but from a WRC perspective, it's a level playing field. And then we have this, you know, it's Ypres at a new time of year. Uh, and for me, it's, 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 you know, it has to, I'm keeping everything crossed that it mm-hmm. runs. And there's been some slightly disappointing news this morning about some stages uh, in France that were due to run as part of the rally that have been cancelled. So, you know, let's mm. just hope that that's all that we get in terms of cancellations. But it's, it's potentially going to be the most exciting rally of the year. And, and fingers crossed we go. What I love about Ypres is the the margin of error is so small for the drivers with those culverts on the side of the road. The amount of cars that will have a slow off, but the rally's over because they're parked up in one of those concrete culverts on the side of the road. It's basically the asphalt equivalent of what Kielder used to be, um, uh, uh, Lisa. Kielder Kielder has an innocuous looking ditch at the side of the road. It's actually (laughs) two metres across and three metres deep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Everywhere, and, and once it's you filled go in, with you mud, and yeah. Have, well, once have you, you been just, in some just, of those ditches, George? I, I the very <laughs> first time I was in Kielder, I, I came out of a hairpin and just let the car slip, just very, very slightly wide. I was going slowly because I had a, I had about a five or six minute lead in Group N, and I think I was lying in the top ten, and uh, my first, my second ever rally in in a, in a in a proper good car. I mean, I'd been driving minis and little Fiestas before, and all of a sudden I was on this Sierra Cosworth. And wasn't this George when it was on maps? Well, you had, you had that was all. There was no pace notes. It was it yeah. was just maps. It just came out. Look, it was an open hairpin. You could see. It. I just drove around this hairpin and I I came into it reasonably nicely, just because it's a hairpin and 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 you want to. And I, I got the hairpin very nicely. And I was just literally driving out the corner. And I can't remember why. I just I just maybe just was a bit lazy with the steering. I just let the car slip a little bit wide. And there was no reason to do it. I mean, I could have moved the car to the right. I could have gone off on the inside just about as easily. And the car just slipped off and just, and it wasn't going fast. It was, it was literally just exiting the hairpin. And, and uh, one wheel fell off. The, I mean, you looked at the car, you thought it would have driven away, but it was bellied. But he, he's and still those, a thing there were spectators, but nobody could get to the car, to the back side of the car or the inside of the car, because the ditch was too deep. Yeah. But George, this and is going to be another thing about Ypres this year. Is you know, from yeah. what we're hearing, because obviously Belgium is uh, really having it tough right now with this this second wave of COVID. You know, we're hearing that one of the measures will be no spectators. Now, you know, during a normal Ypres, if you go off, chances are you're going to get back on again. There are plenty of spectators there to to help you out. There'll be no spectators. There's all these ditches, all this mud, all of this great unknown. No spectators. Mm. It is going to be and fingers crossed as it runs. It's going to be a fantastically exciting event. Um, but you have to say, 
it's I don't know what the odds are just now, but we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed. This is the point, isn't it? You know, we don't. There's there's been so many changes, and and talking to people yesterday, you know, it's changing not by the day but by the hour, yeah. uh, and and it's. You know, on dirtfish.com, we've tried to, to to step back from writing, you know, just about every turn of what's happening because we've got to, at some point, just sort of settle down and just say, OK, let's give the organisers time. Let's give the FIA and the promoter time just to figure out what can be done here. Um, mm. But it is, I mean, it's it's just the, the most difficult, difficult job to organise a rally right now. You look to, to beyond deeper and, and we're going to... Touchwood, hopefully we're going to Monza, back to Italy. But you know, to 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 conceive, to consider going into the Lombardy region right now is is difficult again. Mm. But David, what what was interesting, David, you know, is that that we actually got confirmation. I think it was in a a meeting that you had with uh, the FIA that you know whatever happens now, we have a championship. If you like, yeah. the sale is on, the game is on. You know, we're live. Yeah. So yeah. the leaderboard right now, if if uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure it's absolutely not what anyone would want. But if we did lose Ypres and we we didn't get to Monza, Elvin Evans is a legitimate world rally world champion. champion. And uh, and you no. know, I, I I asked Elvin exactly about that and said, you know, how do you feel? And and he, you know, obviously he wants to he wants to do a complete season. Um, but quite rightly, Elvin said, you know, if it is just these six rallies, we've all had the same chance. Correct. We've all had those same six rallies. Uh, and, and essentially, why shouldn't there be a champion? And he's yeah. he's dead right. We've dead had right. this gap since we've we've done the last podcast. Can we perhaps go back to the restart, as it were, and assess how things have gone since we did manage to get the rallies back underway? Because so much has happened since our last podcast. It it really does almost feel like a a different lifetime ago. We have well, got to the point where we do have a championship. We do have uh, potentially a valid and legitimate world champion in, in Elvin Evans. How do you think the sport has managed to get itself back up and running? That has to start with Estonia, who did the most remarkable yeah. job. You know, these people, was it 63 days or something? They created a WRC round. Uh, in February this year, Rally Estonia was off. Uh, and then there was this chance of coming to WRC, so they, they recreated the event in 63 days. Not only did they create a great WRC round, they've created what has so far been the benchmark WRC round in the COVID era. Because for me, you know, they did a better job than certainly Turkey did and, and, and Sardinia did in terms of keeping everybody apart, 100%. testing, and just the yeah. whole... The, you felt yeah. that you were, <laughs> you know, in a, a an event that had been running for years and years. Um, and it was... It was it was incredible, and to start there was was it set the bar very very high for for the returning events. And you know some people have worked remarkably hard, haven't they? Uh, and I think you know Estonia, as you say, they didn't just set the benchmark in terms of uh, you know, when you're a new event coming into the calendar, you have blueprints, don't you, for for really everything yeah. that you should do. Now, yeah, they had a blueprint, Estonia, but they, they, they chucked that blueprint out the window because it really didn't apply. Theirs was a, a completely new environment they were coming into, and they created the blueprint. Uh, and I mm. thought it was really quite a remarkable effort, but people worked really, really hard. And you, know, you have to give credit to, uh, uh, you know, to the FIA, and, and it's, it's easy to knock the FIA, but they, they, they kept all their options open. They kept negotiating. They kept talking. They kept offering up solutions. Um, rather yeah. than you know potential problems, there were solutions there. There was help to find those solutions, and and I guess you have to kind of say that the promoter also played its part in all of that. And and it, for me, at least, it was it was tenacity and hard work that got us back mm. up rallying again. Now you know there, there were grumbles. There were grumbles. We left it too late. Uh, you know we were when were we in Estonia? It was the second week in September. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of people were saying, look at Formula One, look at the, the, the motorbikes, look at touring cars. They've all been running right through August. Um, you know, that, that's that. But, you know, it, 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 was, it was going to be difficult, wasn't it? Because we could never really see Finland happening. No. You know, commercially, Finland was a, was a very difficult one. So then there was nothing else in August. But then we had this opportunity of Latvia. Um, but one of the teams was not keen. Hyundai didn't really want to go to Latvia. They weren't ready. Um, for whatever reason, uh, there were some cynical sorts that that said that perhaps Hyundai didn't want to go to another fast gravel rally. Mm. 
But actually, as it played out in Estonia, that was completely wrong because they, they've clearly fixed their car in terms of fast gravel rallies. Uh, and we saw, you know, a result and the emotions of a result that was absolutely befitting the hard work that all of the Estonians have put in when Oit Tanak won that event. Uh, and that was, you know, it was a fabulous moment for the, for the country. Um, but to, to come back to Elvin's, the development of Elvin's season, you know, he went there on the back of a, a pretty sizable shunt on that warm-up rally. What was it? The the Luna yeah. Estu rally, wasn't yeah. it? Just a couple of weeks before. Um, and finished fourth. And it was really Elvin's season has been built around two wins. You know, the win in terms of absolute speed in Sweden uh, and then the perhaps more tactical win in, in Turkey. Uh, and then he struggled in Sardinia first mm-hmm. on the road. Um, and finish fourth, but he's he's at the top of the tree right now and, and deserves to be there. He's the only driver across the season that's won twice. You would compare him with Juha Kankinen, David, wouldn't you, Colin? You would, because when Juha mm. was, the, was the ultimate survivor. He won when it was possible, and he got those yeah. seconds, thirds, fourths to get championships. Yeah, yeah and what, what Elvin's done as well, much. boys and, and Lise, yeah. he set himself up beautifully for Ypres, because Ypres... The place you want to be, first on the road. No question. It'll, it'll, it'll mm. rapidly, r- rapidly deteriorate. Yeah, normally. Rapidly <laughs> deteriorate. And, and he sets himself up beautifully. He does. And let's not forget, you know, while he's never been there and he's never done Ypres, he he is remarkably, remarkably good on tarmac, as we saw in Corsica all those years ago uh, and as we always would see in Germany. And do you know what, you know, David? Do you know what one of his real strengths is? His real strength is reading the road. He's, he's, he, can, yeah. he can pick surface changes, grip changes, really on what he's seeing. You know, a lot of drivers have to wait till they feel it, till they feel it in the steering, they feel it under braking. He picks it on what he sees and he, he is remarkably good at that. And that, that you mm. know, it's going to be one of those attributes that you will need in Ypres because there will be surface changes all the time and it will be that ability to read those changes that stands you in good stead. I, I think he's in a great position and I, and I, think, uh, I think he's very lucky in that you know the hype in the UK hasn't really started, and I really do hope it does start. You know, I, I think I think he's got to be our favourite to win the championship. But when I say I hope it starts, it's not that I hope he wins. I think he will win. I just hope that yeah. you know that we see the UK media, the UK sporting media, getting behind Elvin Evans because right now it's actually not a bad thing that they're not because it takes the pressure off him, takes the expectation off him. Um, but you know, if he does achieve something that nobody saw coming at the start of the year. I don't care what you say. No one thought that Elvin Evans was going to be world champion this year. Uh, if he does mm. manage to achieve that, he deserves you know, everything that we can possibly throw at him because it'll be a... Sports personality of the year, Cole? Well, you know, Massively. we've been ignored, Massively, haven't we? You yeah. know, we've been ignored by yep. sports personality. You know, Malcolm Wilson did some remarkable things in the past two or three years, particularly in 2017 when he won the driver's title and the manufacturer's title and... Uh, you know, he was ignored by the UK sporting press, and it, it was it was mm. you know it shows sadly where rallying in the UK had had come in the intervening what 16 years, 17 years since we last had a world champion. Um, you know, it was it was it was it was back page news. It was on all the 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 radio, the national radio sports bulletins, the TV bulletins. Uh, it's not mm. anymore, but but that's partly our job to try and you know we can be the uh, the cheerleaders, we can be the rah rah boys, can't we? As best we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right, and and you know I think you're absolutely right in that he would deserve it. You know, when when you look back to Monty and and he led Monty for so long and and could could easily have won that event. Um, he 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 set his stall out very early and 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 he's there. But he, he, talking again, talking to Elvin about Eper, um, and I was asking him, how do you feel about all of this indecision about are we going or we not? He said, I want to go. I want to go because, you know, it's for all of the reasons we've talked about there, it's an exciting event. Um, and, you know, fundamentally, he's a sportsman yeah. uh, who wants to uh, perform in his sport. Yeah, uh, it's exciting. So, yeah. it's exciting. It's, Listen, uh, can, can I move us on to, to, to something else I wanted to talk about? And that I've and, and David's already written about it in, in a really interesting opinion piece. Uh, and I think by the time you hear this, my piece will be up as well. Uh, what I noticed, you know, it, it really struck home and for some reason in Sardinia I don't know whether I was maybe listening to more stage end stuff but uh, George you know you, you've been to a few stage ends I've been to a lot of stage ends and I was 
really, really disappointed at the lack of information, the lack of communication at stage ends. And okay, I get it. I get things have, have changed this year. I get that the you know the time card protocols have changed, and you know maybe drivers they can they can move off at their own free mm. will when you know in the good old days when we were doing radio and the rest, George, we had time to interrogate, to interview, to to really delve deep into what the drivers had done, what they were thinking. And I get that maybe that's moved on a little bit, but you know, I, I fear, I fear that as things progress, uh, you know, in everyday life, in sport, and everything, you know, and we're we're finding these new normals that a silent stage end. We're heading towards that. Drivers are, are becoming less communicative. Um, you know, what we're hearing from the stage ends is 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 not as not as enlightening as it used to be. It's not as entertaining as it used to be. And I don't know, is it just me that's, that's, that's you know, maybe I'm hypercritical because I spent so many years at the stage end. But is it just me that's picking up on that, boys? Before you jump in, Yes, it's just, it's just you, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm wondering if it's if this is the way that technology's moved on because going back to the radio days, in those times, quite often the teams were finding out information at the same time as the rest of us. Now, you know, they can send a text, they'll be on the mobile whatever, the information can get back to the teams in a different way. But before, the, the drivers were using the radio to communicate with everybody, not just the listeners. You know, they weren't just doing it for entertainment. They were quite often giving information back to their team as well. Is that possibly part of the change? Well, I think um, it is. I, I think... People are, people are, are scared to, to give... You know, if, if a driver has a problem, they want to conceal it from the other teams because if there's another two stages, you don't want to give away anything. So the idea is that you move away and you don't reveal how big your problem is because if, if you can actually conceal that you've got a problem, your opposing drivers will go into the next stage still fighting like crazy and, and maybe make mm. a mistake and have a puncture or, or, or even stop. So yeah. you, that's that's the sporting advantage that they're they're not wanting to give away. Yeah, but George, um, George, you there was the complete opposite was was done in the past as well. You know, drivers yeah. would say things, and, and and there were one or two that were notorious for it. They would make things up, you know, because they knew <laughs> they knew that the other the other teams were listening that it would get reported back to their to their uh, to whoever they were battling so, against. It's such know? a shame that people aren't playing those silly little games. And I mean, you know, the the, the one the one guy that would be. Utterly brilliant at that would be Ot Tanak. You know how good would Ot Tanak be at playing a straight card? Because the guy's just, you know, his poker face is every, every is his only face. You know, the guy, the guy. You wouldn't play poker with Ot Tanak. You'd lose every time. You know, you'd lose at the deal. You'd just give him the money. You know, the guy would be brilliant. So yeah, a few more games like that would be would be fun. And people people are missing a little trick there. I'm liking that idea, Colin. I'm feeling filled with nonsense now hearing this. Ogier, occasionally you'd, you'd not want to play poker with him, but those times, Colin, that he would come to the end of the stage fuming Oof. about something and you'd be going, he's not talking, he's not talking. Oh, something's yeah. not right, something's not right. And, and that, would, that would say so much as well because it's like, why isn't he saying? Why is he, why is well, he, I, why is he walking the around the car? I really remember, Lise, and, it, and it, it, scared, it really scared me. It was Monte Carlo. It was the year he was battling with Loeb. What year was that where we had that incredible opening stage in the dark from Loeb? Uh, and oh, it, yeah. it was, I can't remember which stage it was. It was this uh, Friday stage. It was, uh, it was the one just before lunch. Four, just, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was three or four. Yeah. And he came to the stage end. Uh, and I think he was first on the road. And Sebastian was about 11th or 12th on the road. So, uh, you know, by the time that Ogier had got to us, Loeb hadn't actually started the stage. And I think it was Julian Porter asked him a question. And he was about to answer it. And he looked over his shoulder and he could see me standing there with my microphone. And he went, he is here. I am not answering if he is here, pointing at me. And I'm thinking, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And I'm racking my brain thinking, did I criticise him somewhere? Did I, did I say something about him that, that maybe he's been misinterpreted? So I went to find him in, in service at the end of the day. And I said, look, Seb, have you got a second? He went, yeah. I said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry. Did, did I say something that upset you? And he looked at me in a strange way and, and he, he, he just he didn't register. And I went, at the end of that stage where you, you looked at me and said, I'm not answering if he's here. He went, no, 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 no. He said, no, no, nothing to do with you. But I knew that Citroen were listening in. I knew that Loeb hadn't started. And I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to give Citroen any kind of advantage. Um, you know, and, and, and th those, those, were the, those were the great stories, the great days of, of, of you know, stage ends where there was, there was proper drama. And, uh, 
what I feel about about uh, what drivers are, are, are what we're what we're missing, what we're missing with these 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 silent stage ends, and they are almost silent at times, and it, it frustrates the hell out of me. But we are missing that real sense of entertainment. And it's something that is completely unique about our sport. And do you know what I was thinking the other day? When did it start? When did this tradition of driver interviews at stage end start? Because it's not anything you see in any other sport. And I suspect it may have been back to the days of. Um, uh, you know, the Pattersons were their wonderful, you know, their, their, their updates from the stage ends. May even have been before that, you know, but it's something that's established in, in rallying that, and we all know why it's established because up until 10 or 15 years ago, nobody knew what was going on in the stages. And unless the drivers told you at the stage end, you would have to wait practically all day until the information got back. But, you know, we have that unique ability to speak to the drivers the second they come out of stages. It's established. And for me, it would be a crying shame if we allowed, if we allowed that that wonderful, unique access that we've, you know, that we've all enjoyed over the years, if we allowed that just to disappear and allowed drivers not to speak to us and give us those exchanges at stage ends. I think we are, you know, it's fair to say that we are in a, a different set of circumstances now, aren't we? You, you Cole, you and, and George, and you know me to a much smaller extent, we know how difficult it is to interview these people, and especially when you're trying to do it. Not that it's difficult to interview them, but when you're doing it on the end of a, a metre or two metre long pole yeah, and you yeah, can't yeah. really hear what they're saying back to you, uh, it, it's not the easiest. Um, and perhaps, you know, we need some, some technology that that the, the, the interviewers potentially can be better informed because we've talked about this before, that they don't seem to know if in the last, say, K there's been a, or last couple of K there's been an issue for the car, they're not aware of that. And, you know, that's the thing that's at, at the forefront of the driver's mind when they're coming in um, to, to, to talk about it. And if they're not asked about it, it's, it just, the whole interview seems strange. But yeah. okay. it, it is difficult, uh, the job that they're doing right now. Um, oh, I agree but, with that. I agree with that. You know, it's as hard as it's ever been, and I, and I totally agree that there's all sorts but, of circumstances. But my point is that I wouldn't like to see, you know, that there's a lot of things that we used to do before uh, this global pandemic that won't return, that won't return in, in our day-to-day lives and in our ah, this will. lives, our professional this, lives. Ab- absolutely, I, I, this will. Well, I it has so. to. Because, you know, this is this is so much part. It's where we find the, the character of the drivers and it's where we tell That's so right. much of the story. Uh, and, you know, you, you referenced, you know, the piece that I wrote about Oik Tanak. Uh, and for me, the, the, the attitude that, and the, the, that Tanak takes is part of that story. Um, and, and somebody pointed out on social media that, you know, Stig Blomqvist would have been exactly the same. Um, for, for perhaps a different reason, he was a much a, a very shy character and didn't you know didn't always have a lot to say. You have these kind of loquacious drivers who will talk for hours and about everything. You know the Petter Solbergs of as well, who are tremendously entertaining. Uh, and then, but to balance that, you do need people. For me, you do need people like Oit, who you know wears his heart absolutely firmly on his sleeve. Um, and he's under no obligation, you know. Oh. If he's he, the the thing that got me a little bit is that he did open the door. He did say, "I've got a suspension problem. I'm away." And then for the stages after that, he didn't open a door. He'd got a suspension problem, you know, and he hadn't had the ability at that point to download any data to discover, you know, for sure we could have asked him more. We could have asked him, you know, what's the car doing? How's it reacting? Uh, you know, what have you been able to do between the stages? Um, if if he'd opened the door, but you know, it wasn't like he left us uninformed. He told us what the problem was, um, and after that, you know, he he just didn't want to open a door, and you could understand that he'd lost so much time as a driver. He lost his chance of winning the event. Um, yeah, but you yeah, know, his, one, his, chan- the, his chance of the championship was was slipping from gone. his grasp. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, that, yeah. Some fairly heavy emotions in at that moment, I imagine. Mm. And what we did miss, what we really really should have tried to do there is is interview these boys on the road section um because you know for sure i would have stopped not far down the road after every stage to look at what else he could do and talking to him afterwards we know that he did we know that he worked on the car mm. uh and that's my frustration in this current kind of covid era that we're all very very aware of what we can and can't do and for very justifiable and and, and understandable reasons we're not allowed to approach the crews um out of out out on the road section but if we could have done 
you know, we could perhaps have got a little bit more um, of the story. Not, And I'm not saying that Oit would have told us anything necessarily they wouldn't have told anybody else. We've kind of gone um, a bit full yeah, circle, but... though, um, with this, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, about the, the colour and the energy that the gravel stages bring to the championship. The, the stage yeah. ends also give us a glimpse into the character of the drivers. And if That's we're right. just looking at the beautiful, you know, stock photographs that are taken by the teams. They just become a cardboard mm. cutout of someone who gets in a car and drives. We love this sport because we learn so much about the individuals who are wrestling with the car, either because of the conditions or because there's a problem um, or, or for whatever reason, when we get that glimpse into the car at the end of the stages, we are seeing a sportsman or woman bearing their soul and telling us exactly how they've done their job to actually get to the end of the stage. That's, at least that's brilliantly put. That that, that is absolutely. And that's, that that is 100%. that is one of the biggest biggest benefits of stage ends and stage end interviews uh, is that you see the true characters. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm not going to add anything more to that because you've put it brilliantly. Um, but so can we stop that? Point is, <laughs> no, no. The, the, the point is, you know, let's 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 uh, let's. Let's do what we have to do to get through this this remarkably difficult period. Uh, but the first thing we do when we get out of this silliness is we uh, we reintroduce proper stage ends, proper stage end interviews. <laughs> it is. I mean, the, the thing is, though, that yeah. drivers otherwise, if you're not watching that, then you have an image of a driver with their folded arms standing like a cardboard cutout because that's all you mm. see of them. You see the fantastic yeah. shots of the cars going through the stages, but you don't necessarily... And that is the privilege that we have in our sport, that we have such great access to drivers and co-drivers and team bosses and mechanics and engineers yeah. who are all yeah. so passionate about what they're doing, whether it's the service, the 20-minute service of getting a car turned around, watching the, the crews work on the cars, you see the passion going back in there as mm. well. And, and all of that becomes very sterile if we don't get to experience it or show it to, to fans who can't, and increasingly will be looking to experience it online or, you know, through video or, you know, some lucky people that do still have radio stations running and covering events. It's absolutely right, that, Lisa, because if you think, you know, you look at Formula One, you look at other other aspects of motorsport, there's this almost this kind of decompression chamber, isn't there, where the driver comes in, he doesn't have any media commitments until he's taken his helmet off, he's had a bottle of water and he's calmed himself down. Uh, and, you know, for Formula One, that it, it, it's a good sort of five minutes before they talk and do a piece to camera. But for us, literally, the minute... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The minute for us, they're over the line. You know, it, it's the media that are first in there. Um, and at the minute, perhaps, we're not exploiting that in, in the way that... For the reasons that we've already discussed. But you were dead right there, Lisa. And Colin, you know, you were, you were quite right as well that... Look at places like I referred to this in my piece about Tanak in, in Poland uh, when he lost the chance of that first win. And, you know, it was just it was just those two words. You know, he just said it's too much and drove away. And increasingly in the last couple of years, the guy that gave us so much emotion was people like it was Yeri Matilavala in Sardinia last year. Remember when he rolled? Yeah. And, and yeah. oh, my goodness me, he was incredible. Absolutely amazing. And to lose that ability... Uh, to capture those emotions would be an absolute crime. And but anyway, we're arguing a moot point here because we won't. It's what so much of our our sport is based around. Fabulous, good to hear. Well, that is our Absolutely time is. up. Pretty much, we've uh, managed to con keep that nicely concise to our, our forty-five minute guideline. Anything? Any other business? Is there anything anybody else needs to mention before we go away? Make a plan about the next time the band's going to get back together. <laughs> Yeah, see no. you at Christmas. <laughs> well, Lisa, I have, I have, I have one thing to raise. Is your, your forty-five minutes seems to be forty-nine minutes. Just so you, you're patting yourself on the back for keeping it there. You didn't, so I don't think you're that good. You I, know, was, I was kind of just, just, just fudging a bit, but by the time I've edited uh, yeah. some bits out, it'll be. Oh yeah, yeah. That's me out. That's me out. <laughs> <laughs> no, George, that'd be twenty-two minutes then, and that's not enough. Oh Jesus. <laughs> I've lost out. Oh, well, I've really enjoyed this. I, I, feel, I feel like I'm back in the sports, um, having watched the pictures and stuff, but talking about it just makes it so much more fun. And I really, really hope 
that we'll have another podcast soon to talk about more rally action before we get to the end of this. Such a strange... We've got a huge... Ypres is going to... Working on the basis that Ypres is going to run, which a lot of people seem very determined that it will, which it seems unimaginable, but fantastic that they're so determined and they're going to go ahead with it. There's a huge amount to talk about, about the strategies and and tactics that can play out for that event. I want to have that conversation, guys. Do you know what I want to do? Here's something. Here's something we're going to do, right, for our our pre-Ypres podcast. We're going to have a special guest. Ooh. We're going to have a... If if we had if we if I could get if I could get one person as a special guest on our podcast our Epra podcast who would it be? Craig Breen, Freddie Loikes, Freddie Loikes, David, or Bruno Terry. Any, no. any, any, uh, as as Freddie often Lykes. George is right, Freddie Loikes, Freddie, fast Freddie Loikes, one Epra a hundred times. Well, <laughs> he's, he's, he's one. I think it's something like is it eleven, twelve times something like that. Sure. Uh, I, I've got his number in my telephone now. It's probably from about ten years ago, so I'm hoping it's the right number. Um, but um, what we will, I, I will make a commitment. Here's my commitment: we will have Freddie Loikes talking about the challenges of Ypres before we go to Ypres. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I See, was nobody's, just thinking nobody's... About, when I was thinking about Ypres, I, I was thinking about Condros Rally, which was always the one that we did at the end of the year when we, when, yeah, when November, I was t- t- team in... manager at Toyota. We would do Ypres, we would do Spa. Can't remember all the events. Spa, mm. Ypres. I think did we do Haspengau? Haspengau. Yeah. and uh, sometimes, sometimes the uh, the what was it the the uh, the tour of. Or something or other, I can't remember. Another event down in Dinan, Circuit of Dinan or something, Circuit of Ardennes, Circuit of Ardennes. It was based in Dinan. Anyway, well, brilliant like, rallies, but, but Condros, really Condros, we minutes. were using rally cross. We were using <laughs> rally cross tires, proper. But proper what I, what tires. I, what I liked there was after Colin's great commitment to commitment. It was just a complete pause. Nobody, <laughs> nobody believes it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, let me double check. I have his number. I'm going to send him a note now. I, I, I'm not disputing that you have Fast Freddy's number. I've got but, Stefan yeah. Edberg's phone number yeah. in my phone, but he's not going to come on the podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it, have you really? Yes, and it ends. It ends Let, in let's one do, two let's two. Do f- Let's do Fast Freddy next week and Stefan Edberg the week after. I've, I've already sent Freddy a text here, Have guys, you? so we'll see if he responds. Oh, well done, Georgie. You're ahead, you're ahead of me. Good. Excellent. Just write the number. I, well, suspect, that's I suspect I've got the wrong one as well. So. Right, we're done. We're done. I have to say, if you want to keep up to date with all things rally, then dirtfish.com is the place to go. Not just talking about the technology, not just talking about strategy, but talking about all the human stories that really keep us attached to this fantastic sport. Colin, David, George, thank you so much. I look forward to our pre-EPRA podcast. Enjoy.